0: So, guys we're going to be uh, in john 20. so if you have your bibles you can flip to john 20. it will also be up on the screen here behind us so john 20 1 through 18.
1: good morning a reading from the book of john now on the first day of the week mary magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb so she ran sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her.
0: Thanks, Kelly. We pray for us. Father, uh, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the chance to gather here this morning to worship you. We pray uh, through your Holy Spirit that you would be moving in our hearts, even in the midst of a fairly noisy room. <laughs> we trust that you can be louder. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... The, the event that we just read about, the, this resurrection of Jesus, this is an event, guys, that changed the course of world history. Uh, that the, the movement that was launched from that moment, the people that we read about here, that they started something that is still continuing, something that has totally changed the world. So a movement that has toppled empires, that has uh, destroyed and raised up new institutions. Right? A movement that is responsible for the world as we know it. And that even if you are here and you don't believe in Jesus, you're skeptical of this whole thing, it is impossible for you to escape the wor- a world that has been shaped by the gospel. When we sing uh, with the Beatles, all you need is love, we are singing a Christian worldview, that love is the most important value that there is. And apart from resurrection morning and the movement that comes after that, there's no way to explain that value. There's no way for us to get away from the influence of the resurrection in our day-to-day lives. But it's easy when we come to a story like this because of of almost how important it has been for the the morning itself, for the event itself to become like background static in our lives. It can seem like we're coming to something to have uh, some kind of uh, informed conversation or some kind of learned discourse. It can feel academic or theological. Friends, that is not the starting place of Easter morning. Now what we're looking at is a human story, a human story that is so, uh, that's so real that what we come to this text expecting because of the world that we live in is something that has been polished up for a PR press release, right? In a world of mass marketing, what we're expecting is something that appeals uh, to to our higher sensibilities, to our deepest urges something that has been made to be consumed. And what we find instead is a very real human story. And we see it even in the details that are in this text. When it says uh, that Mary came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. When it says that Mary, uh, she supposed that when she saw Jesus, it was the gardener. What? That kind of random detail is is only present in a story that is being told and recorded as it sits in someone's memory. That we're getting a very human story. My favorite example of it in this passage is uh, is in verse six and seven, excuse me, in verse four, when Peter and John raced to the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. That in the middle of this resurrection story, the guy who wrote this book, John, wants you to know that he beat Peter to the tomb. (laughs) That's a human story, right? It's a story that's being told from someone's memory, from someone's experience. It's the kind of detail that you find when someone is recounting something that so shook up their lives. Because you and I know when we encounter something that is life-changing, the details of that day stick in our minds in a strange way. That's what we are reading in this story. And so it's a human story, and a story of humans who were incredibly surprised. We see that with Mary when she says to the risen Jesus, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. We read that and we think, How could Mary not know? She's looking at Jesus. How could she not know it's Jesus? mary is confused about it being jesus because mary is not an idiot because mary knows just like you and i know that dead people don't rise from the dead she's not expecting to find a risen jesus and let's just be honest when we look back at people who lived a long time ago two thousand years ago uh, we tend to think that they're just not as smart as we are right that's like a recency bias that we think we've got it all figured out and they had no idea what was going on. But I will just tell you, Mary knew, just like we know, dead people don't just get up and walk. She was surprised on Easter morning to see and encounter Jesus. And my hope and prayer for us this morning is whether you have been in church every weekend of your life for the last several decades, or whether this is the first time you have stepped foot in a church in years, that you and I would be taken by surprise by the empty tomb. I want you to imagine with me Peter and John when they show up to this cave that's been hollowed out. I guess that's what a cave is. It's hollow, right? Okay. Uh, So they show up to this cave and there's this place where the rock has been uh, flattened out. And what they expect to find there is the body of Jesus. But instead what they see is a pile of cloth Oh, and then here's one of these other details. Then they find the cloth that would have been on Jesus' face folded up neatly and, and set next to the pile of other cloth. And you have to imagine when, when Peter and John are standing there and they're looking at that cloth all laid out in front of them, uh, that maybe in their hearts there was a little leap. That they thought, is it possible? Is it possible that Jesus is gone? And that spark of hope was too much for them. They shut it down. But I want you to hold with me that little spark. When we look at that empty tomb and we see the rock before us with this pile of grave clothes and this one folded up linen that would have been on Jesus' face, that we would stop there and pause and that we would hold that moment of surprise. And holding that moment of surprise, guys, that's a scary thing. Because the longer you live in this world, the longer I live in this world, we are used to our hopes being snuffed out, aren't we? Like, I don't know if you've ever been looking for a job or applying for jobs. It's a hard thing. And you apply for that job, that first one that you were so excited about, you found the posting, you sit in your resume, you get the interview, you sit down, and you're waiting for the, for the response to come back, and it comes back and you didn't get it? Oh. And you feel like, man, now I've got to tell all the people that I told how excited I was that this isn't going to happen. And so what you learn the next time and the next time and the next time is actually I'm not going to get excited. That as soon as I feel that little spark of hope, I'm going to snuff it out because the hope is too painful. And we've all got stories like that in our lives, things that we hope for that never came to pass. And so places in our hearts that we've, we've started to snuff out that spark of hope. And what the resurrection does is it it takes that spark and it blows on it. That that spark would grow into a hope that's even greater. And that's what we're gonna talk about just briefly this morning is the hope of the resurrection. This is what Jesus tells us is that what scripture testifies to is that when Jesus rose from the dead, what Jesus did is he defeated death. That's a crazy thing to claim, but that's what scripture teaches us is that when Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus defeated death. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, "Why well, don't need death to be defeated. I've made peace with death. I've kind of come to this like zen place where I can think about it and not get totally freaked out. I just want to let you know that the fact that you would even say or think about it as I've made peace with death tells you that death is an enemy. It's something that pulls up all of these feelings in us that we have to do something about because death is our enemy. It's why Silicon Valley billionaires spend hundreds of of millions of dollars on vitamins and things you can allegedly plug your brain into because they don't want to die. It's something people have been doing over millennia. And at the resurrection, what what we hear is that Jesus Christ himself defeated death. And that what is promised to us is eternal life. And God, when I say eternal life, right, uh, that may sound, it may bring up in your mind kind of this picture of us like floating around on clouds with harps or being at some, we've talked about this before, being at some kind of like endless worship concert at Nissan Stadium. Okay, I would just let you know that sounds like my worst nightmare, okay? That is not heaven! That is not the eternal life that we're promised. That what scripture teaches us is that Jesus is gonna bring, he's gonna make the world new. That you and I are gonna live with him in a world, in physical bodies, in a world, and in a creation that has been scrubbed and scoured of all of the evil that we experience here now. A place where there will be no suffering, a place of creativity, of purpose, where you and I get to live in the fullness of who we are and the fullness of relationship with each other and with God that is the eternal life that we're promised. And that's just not something that we look forward to in the future. It's something that we get to pull from and borrow into, pull into our here and now. Because what it means is that our God who brought life from death is doing that even here, even in our very own hearts, even in the situations in our lives that so often feel hopeless. That our God is, is moving and bringing life in death, life out of death. That is our great hope. A hope that is beyond our circumstances or the, the things that we want in this life being arranged just the way that we want them. Because what we know is this God who brings life from death is working in our hearts, is taking pieces of our hearts that were dead and He is making them alive again. And He's promised us He's doing that in every circumstance. He's told us that when He rose from the dead, not only did He defeat death, but He defeated sin in our lives. And that, guys, that is such good news. That means that your relationship, my relationship with God has been restored. But that's possible for us. And that sin, which Scripture teaches us, it, it, it holds on to us. It gets us in its clutches and it won't let us go. And at the resurrection, Jesus defeated that sin and now sin has no hold on us anymore. And what that means is that for you and for me, change in our lives is actually possible. Not just like the change of habits, like you stop biting your nails or you become a better budgeter. No, like real, true, lasting change deep in the heart of who we are that you and I, when we are in Christ, have been made into new creations and that we spend the rest of our lives working that new creation to the surface. That's a surprise of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection. And the last thing I'm going to point out this morning is that uh, that hope is a personal hope. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, "Raboni." But it is a personal encounter with the voice of Jesus, with the word of God that wakes Mary up to the reality of the resurrection. So we're not just talking about some abstract theological principle, we're talking about a personal interaction with a risen and a resurrected Jesus, and that is the same Jesus that even now is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, the Jesus who is calling and speaking your name even this morning, inviting us into a personal relationship with him. And when we hear that phrase, personal relationship, I think what we often think that means is that now you and I can go off and create whatever idea of God that we we want, and, and we, can, we can't say to each other, well, that's, that's not really who God is. It's like, no, 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 it's my personal God. So it is who, he is whoever I want him to be. I just want you to imagine for a second that maybe someone invited you here and they told you, hey, you've got to come and hear from my pastor. He is this former NBA player. 6'5", he was an amazing point guard or whatever position a 6'5 person would play in basketball. I don't know, right? And you show up here and you expect me to be this massive basketball player, but clearly that's not true. And you would turn to your friend and you would say, that's not this guy at all. Do you even know him? And if your friend said to you, well, you know, I just always wanted my pastor to be an NBA basketball player. So I just kind of imagined him that way. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. To be brought into a personal relationship with God through the person and work of Jesus Christ is to be brought into relationship with God as he is is to begin this process of coming to know God as he has revealed himself to be through his word and through his living word, Jesus Christ. But That is for the invitation for us this morning. That we would have the hope in our hearts stoked, that it would grow into a flame as we come to know God more and more through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You know, that's what we do here on Sunday mornings. This is a place that we take that little spark of hope and we blow on it. And we're fanning it into a flame. This is the place on Sunday mornings that we take logs and we throw them into that fire of hope. Because as you know, the world is a hard place. We have seen that in spades in the last two weeks here. The world is dark and sad, and it is full of grief and suffering. And when we live in that hard world, in the mundane of our day-to-day, in that hard world, the, the fire of that hope can begin to die and dim, can't it? Sometimes in our own lives, it feels like it's just barely embers, and we wonder, is there any hope there at all? And that's why we need this place, these people, what we do here on a Sunday morning, because this is where we come around each other and we say, yes, it's true. It's hard to believe, but it's true. It's too good to not be true and we blow on those sparks, we throw logs into that fire, and we fan it into a hope, into a, into a raging bonfire of hope. And that's what we're going to do here in the rest of the service. We're going we're to worship God, and we're going to remind our hearts as we sing together that we have a living hope, a Jesus who has conquered the grave, who has put sin and death in their place, who has not made peace with them, but has conquered them for us. And that that Jesus Christ uh, is our living hope. So pray with me, and we're going to respond in worship to God. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, more than anything, we are thankful for your resurrection. Lord, that you, because of your great love for us, uh, came and suffered and died, but that you didn't stay dead, that you rose again. Jesus, we praise you that through your resurrection now, we have access into the presence of the Father, that we have everlasting life, and that we know that our sin has been defeated. Jesus, as we sing, would you be fanning those sparks of hope into a flame? Would you explode it into our lives this morning? We pray these things in Jesus' name.